Listen, we have a treat tonight. Our family, our church family is blessed to have within it uh, an amazing family that is uh, just so, they're blessed, they're highly favored, uh, they have beautiful, beautiful children. Their sons, all four of their sons are mighty in God. One of them just got a full ride scholarship. I'm sure he'll mention it, but I got to because I'm proud of him. Caleb just received a full scholarship to Stanford University. Come on. And he's going to be a dual sport athlete playing football and baseball. He thinks y'all clapping for him. Uh, and, uh, and, and he is, uh, he's just an amazing man of God. All of their children are. And uh, he and Dorinda are just precious people. And he's a powerful preacher. He's here tonight to preach. Help me welcome a brother in this house, a part of our family, and my friend, Pastor Patrick Hampton, as he comes to preach tonight. Come on, let's give a hand for Jesus Christ in this place tonight. Amen. It is truly an honor to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I won't hold you long. I must say that every time I come into this place, I am so thankful for our bishop and our pastor. Every time I come into this place, it just breaks me open. I just start crying for no reason. And I know what it is. It's the Holy Spirit that's, that's activating in me and witnessing in me that I'm supposed to be in this place. I am so glad I came to this place two years ago. And I am thankful for your pastor for inviting me to this place two years ago. So thank you, Bishop. I love you. Let us look to the Lord. Father, we just thank you and we bless you on tonight. Lord, we just want to come in tonight to open up your word, give you praise, Lord, and thank you for your word, God. Father, I pray right now for your people that came out on this Wednesday night. I pray that you use my lips, Lord, to encourage them. Use my words, Lord, to build them up, Lord. And I pray that your spirit rests upon this place in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles tonight, you can stay seated as we read the scriptures. And you can keep it open because we're going to uh, really remain in the scriptures tonight in uh, the book of John, chapter 11. Uh, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And um, my son, my wife couldn't be here tonight because they're actually at a scholarship dinner. He's receiving another scholarship, amen, uh, tonight. And so she is with my two boys getting that scholarship up at the Baylor School. And let me say, yes, my son, he did receive um, a 100% scholarship to go to Stanford University. Many of you may remember he was actually committed to the University of South Carolina, and they didn't want him to play two sports. And the crazy thing is, uh, Devin, around this time last year, Pastor Devin preached a message on double. Many of you may have been here where she was talking about double. Well, literally a week from that message, he was in the paper for double play. Literally, it said it in the paper, double play football and baseball. And so he decommitted from South Carolina because he wanted to play both sports. That's been his dream. South Carolina didn't believe it, and so we didn't know what was going to happen. And a month ago, we get a call from Dr. Condoleezza Rice, and she's letting us know that he's going to receive a 100% scholarship to Stanford University, and that's because of the favor that rests on this house, amen? It was prophesied to him, and so I'm just grateful and I'm thankful, and I ask that you continue to pray for all of my children and my wife as well. So in John chapter 11, we're going to start at verse 1, and we're going to go down to verse 6. And it reads, it says, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, 
the town of Mary and her sister Martha, it was that Mary who, who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so he, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And I want to talk tonight just from this simple thought, what should we do when God doesn't respond to us immediately. I'm going to say that again. What should we do when God doesn't respond to us immediately? Now, many of you may remember a few weeks ago where we saw an instant miracle live on TV when the football player, DeMar Hamlin, was, he fell uh, dead on the football field, and we immediately saw an instant miracle where the players begin to get on their knees, and they begin to pray for him, and the crowd stopped cheering for their team, and they begin to pray for DeMar, and then we saw the, the announcers on TV begin to pray for DeMar, then we saw people all over the country, millions of people at one time came together, stopped worrying about their team, stopped worrying about about uh, the competition they stop playing games and they simply start praying and immediately after nine minutes of no oxygen to the brain we saw DeMar Hamlin come back to life we literally witnessed a revival and a resurrection live on TV instantly because the whole nation came together and prayed at that moment are you with me that's called an instant miracle. That's instantaneous. But the truth of the matter is, God doesn't always respond immediately to our prayers. Are you with me? If we were to be real and if we were to be honest tonight, and I need y'all to do that to help me out, we got to be real. I don't need you to be religious tonight. I need you to be real, okay? So if you are real and honest, many of us have asked the question, why is it that God doesn't respond immediately to my prayers? How is it that he can respond instantly when a football player falls dead, but there are times when I pray that it seems like he has me on hold. And a lot of this is the source of our Christian frustration. Are you with me? Have you ever been in an emergent situation and you needed God right then and there, but it seems like God didn't hear you? Have you ever prayed and fasting for the right thing and, and, and prayed for the right thing at the right time and it seems as if God put you on hold with no holding music? Have you ever been in dire need of a response from God but he didn't react immediately? Anybody ever been in that situation before? See, a lot of times we want God to react to our situation like humans do. Humans react, but our God responds. Are you with me? So I'm asking a question tonight. What do you do when God doesn't respond to you 
immediately. Can I help you tonight? This is where most of our tension with God comes from. Our tension and our frustration comes from because we know that God is a God of blessings and there are times in our life where God blesses us abundantly and he gives us things that we don't even ask for. He gives us the house. He gives us the car. He gives us the job. But at the same time, when I'm living in the big house, I come down with cancer and God doesn't respond immediately he gives you that six figure job but your marriage is on the rocks and God is not responding immediately he blesses you to preach and evangelize all over the world but your own children need deliverance and God doesn't respond to you immediately am I talking to anybody tonight what do you do when a God a faithful God doesn't respond immediately let's go to the text the answer somebody say the answer is in the text when you look at uh, chapter 11 at verse 3 look at what he says he says therefore the sister sent to him saying Lord behold he whom you love is sick look at that they're saying Lord I sent for you Lord I, I, I told you what was happening Lord I asked you to come and see about the one you loved but you didn't respond immediately Look at verse 6. It says, so when he had heard that he was sick, Jesus stayed two more days in the place where he was. To add insult to injury, not only could God have made it there, he simply delayed his coming. Oh my God, you mean to tell me that the God of the universe will intentionally delay coming to your aid for two days by the time he got there Lazarus had already been dead for four days the God of the universe that we say is Jehovah Rapha that we say is our healer the God of the universe as our provider waits and deliberately delays his coming somebody help me understand how could a faithful God not respond to a person that he loved immediately? Oh, I want to help you tonight. What do you do when you make the request, but Jesus stands still? Has anybody ever been in that situation? You've made the right request. It's at the right time. It's a legitimate prayer, but Jesus stays still. Watch this. So what do you do? Point number one, when, when God doesn't respond immediately, number one, you have to trust the omniscience of God. Hear me, RTTN. You have to trust the omniscience of God. What does that word mean? Omniscient is simply a long theological word that means all-knowing. Somebody say all-knowing. All 
Omni means all, science means knowledge. So what we do when we recognize God's omniscience, it means that we are affirming, we are acknowledging, and we are acquiescing that God knows everything about our circumstance. Somebody say, trust the omniscience of God. That means that he knows the intricate details above our circumstances, beneath our circumstances, around our circumstances. He knows everything about what we're going through. So when we trust the omniscience of God, it's simply saying in Isaiah 55 and 8, it says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And he says, my ways are not your ways. As believers, the thing that should give us the most confidence and the most calm is that the God we serve is infinite and eternal in knowledge about everything about us. His knowledge is eternal, it's immeasurable, it's perpetual, it's never ending. Hear me, RTTN. In this case, when we are ignorant of what God is doing, we have to trust that God knows. And when we look, even in the text, even in crisis, he knows the beginning. He knows the middle. He knows the end. Even in emergencies, God knows the outcome and the purpose of every hardship and challenge. I'm going to say that again. Even in our emergencies, God knows the outcome and the purpose of every hardship and challenge we have. Now, because we're human, our lives can become emergent and we get emotional. Anybody ever get emotional when you have an emergency? And you simply just saying, God, I need you to react to this right now. But we serve a God that doesn't react, he responds. So listen, I want to warn you tonight. Don't get so busy wanting the process to be over when God wants the process to fulfill his purpose. I'm talking to somebody tonight. Many of us tonight, we, we beg God, we go to God, and we pray to God, and we say, God, I want this process to be over. I'm tired of going through this challenge. I'm tired of going through these circumstances. But you don't know that that process is what God wants to use to fulfill his purpose. Are you with me? All pain has a purpose. God knows the purpose of our pain, so we must trust the obedience, the omniscience of God. And watch this. In John chapter 11, verse 6, look at what it says. It says, when Jesus heard that, he said, watch this. This is his omniscience. He said, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Somebody say it. It is the sickness. What is God trying to be glorified through? He's trying to be glorified through the sickness or the circumstance or the crisis. Are you with me? The ultimate platform and purpose of sickness and crisis is for you to give God the glory. 
I'm going to say that again. The ultimate platform and purpose of sickness is for God to get the glory out of it. See, when we are emotional believers, we can't see that. When we're emotional about what we're going through, we can't see what's going on. Look at it. Look, we think like Mary and Martha. We say, well, God, if you really loved him and you really say you loved him and you really, really love Lazarus, why would you allow my brother to die? Why would you delay coming? You said you love him, Lord. Why would you wait? Two days. And we say, well, if he loves us, why didn't he heal me? If he loved me, why didn't he show up? If he loved me, why am I still waiting? We ask these questions and we're frustrated. And we have these tensions. You got to be real tonight. We have these tensions because we have questions. But watch this. The truth of the matter is, it's God's love for us that qualifies us for the glory that's going to be revealed through us. Oh, I'm going to say that again. See, we want, we want God's love and we think because he loves us, he should show up and react immediately. But he said, no, it's my love for you that actually qualifies you for the miracle that's coming your way. It's my love for you that qualifies you for glory to come out of this situation. I don't think you heard me. In John 3, 16, it said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever what believeth in him shall not perish. So the pain that Jesus Christ went through was for glory to be revealed through him so that he could heal us. See, y'all not getting me. The glory that God has and wants to reveal to us is going to come through your crises. He said, this sickness is not unto death. This sickness was not about Mary. This sickness was not about Martha. This sickness was not even about Lazarus. He said this sickness was for the glory of God to be revealed. Watch this. So number one, we have to understand and trust the omniscience of God. Number two, not only do we trust the omniscience of God, but number two, we have to know how to run to be in his presence. Oh, what do you do? What do you do when God doesn't respond immediately? What should we do when he doesn't react? And what should we do when he's quiet? What, does, what should we do when he puts us on hold? We should run to be in his presence. Y'all don't hear me. It's in the text. It's in the text. Look at verse 17. It says, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already had been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles away. Look at that. Again, adding insult to injury. Jesus was downtown Lazarus was here, two miles away, Jesus could have made it there, and he still waited. Keep reading. It says he's about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, look at this, 
she went and met him. But Mary was still sitting in the house. Look at this. Many times as believers, we get like Mary. We get stuck. We get frustrated with God. And we get in our feelings and we say, like Sister Yeye would say, since he didn't respond to me, I'm not going to respond to him. See, many of us are like Mary in this room where we, we're waiting on God to respond to us. And we say, I'm not moving. But Martha was different. Look at this. Martha ran to his presence. Where are my Marthas at? Well, when you're going through a crisis and when you're going through a situation that instead of sitting home in your grief, instead of sitting home in your feelings, you run to his presence. Look at this. Martha had enough sense that when she heard that Jesus was in the vicinity, she got up and ran into his presence. Mary had an emotional reaction, but Martha had an imminent revelation. She said, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Look at this church. Look at it. Listen to this. Even in Mary, Martha's frustration, she was actually right. She got a revelation. She knew that if Jesus was there, her brother wouldn't have died. What was she saying? She was saying if Jesus was there, sickness had to leave. What was she saying? She was saying if Jesus was there, the demons start trembling. If Jesus was there, that means that death had to back up. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave even before the foundations of the world. See, Martha had the revelation if she could just get in his presence, death would have to back up. If I can just get into his presence, all of the crises and the circumstances will have to come under his authority. See, your frustration, church, can work in two ways. Your frustration can either develop your faith or it can drain your faith. I'm going to say that again. Your frustration... Your frustration and the tension that you have with God can either drain you of your faith or can actually develop your faith. Martha wanted to be in his presence before Jesus stepped into her predicament. I'm going to say that again. Martha wanted to be in his presence before Jesus got to her predicament. Many of us, we are inviting God into our predicament, but we're not running to get into his presence. Oh, y'all not hearing me tonight. See, we want God to come into our situation. We want him to be there immediately. But how often do we run to get into his presence? Hallelujah. See, we're too busy inviting God into predicaments, but never spending time in his presence. Look at verse 21. Look at what Martha says. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But here's the revelation. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, 
God will give it to you. Look at this. His presence, in Jesus' presence, it provided a platform for her frustration, but it also provided a perspective of faith. Look at that. See, when we're frustrated, it's okay for us to run into his presence. He gives us a platform to climb up on and voice our frustration. But also, when you open your eyes and you get a revelation of who Jesus is, he will give you a new perspective on why you're going through what you're going through. <laughs> hear me, hear me, hear me. Listen, listen. So we have to trust when, when God doesn't respond immediately, number one, we have to trust the omniscience of God. He knows everything. He knows above, beneath, around everything that's going on. Number two, after you trust his omniscience, after you trust that he knows what you're going through, you have to run into his presence. And then lastly, it's number three, we have to believe God at all costs. When you read John chapter 11, when you go home tonight, I want you to go back and I want you to read that whole chapter. I don't have time tonight to exegete the whole chapter, but I'm telling you, if you go and read nine times in that chapter, it speaks about believing. Nine times in this one chapter they are mentioning, and Jesus is mentioning believing. You don't believe me? Let me show you. In verse 15, look at what he says. He says, I am glad for your sake that I was not there that you may believe. Look at verse 25. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me though he may die he shall live and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die do you believe this Look at verse 27. He's not done. She said unto him, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ the son of God who is coming to the world. Then look at verse 40. Jesus said unto her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. See, when God is not responding to us immediately, he is simply trying to help us believe. We don't have a problem with faith. I believe our problem is believing what we say we believe. It didn't come into Martha's mind that he could resurrect Lazarus from the dead. Jesus waited because he wanted the disciples to believe. He wanted Mary to believe. He wanted Martha to believe. And he wanted all the other Pharisees in Judea and all around to believe that he is the resurrection and the life. So I'm done. Tonight, when God doesn't respond immediately, trust the omniscience of God, run to be in his presence, and believe God at all costs. Amen. Let us stand. Let us look to the Lord. Father, tonight we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for not reacting to our situation, 
But we thank you, Lord, for responding to us in a manner that we may believe that you are the Christ. Father, there are many believers in this room tonight that may be frustrated about where they are in life. There are many believers in this room tonight that may have tension because they don't understand why their loved one died of a sickness or why their loved one is no longer here. But Lord, we know that your thoughts are not our thoughts and your ways are not our ways. So we pray tonight that you give us a fresh revelation of what you're doing in our midst. Father, we pray tonight that you give us the strength to run into your presence when we don't understand what's going on around us. For you said in your word, Lord, that in your presence there is fullness of joy. And so tonight we run into your presence. Lord, we lay at your feet. And Lord, we declare that we're not going to move until you move. Lord, some of us believe, but we need you to help our unbelief. So Father, I pray for a fresh revelation in this house. I pray that you heal frustration. I pray that you just continue to give us understanding of your word that we will know what to do when you don't respond immediately. Amen and amen. God bless you all.